Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from the head of a major university hardware incubator on how students can build a successful product business. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Scott Evans to the show. Scott is the director of InventionWorks at the University of Texas, just a few blocks away from our Macro Design Austin office. InventionWorks is a 23,000 square foot product design and development facility with lots of fun machines and a team of 40 experts to help student inventions get off the ground. In addition, Scott has spent 25 years in the prototyping and product manufacturing industry. Today, Scott is going to share some valuable knowledge on how student inventors and startups can start their invention idea journey and how to maximize the value of what colleges and universities have to offer you. And today isn't just about students, but also anyone in the industry can get involved with their local schools, both to help and to learn from them. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Great having you on. I mean, our Austin office is only a few blocks away from Invention Works. So, uh, although we haven't met face to face in person, looking forward to doing lots of stuff between Macro Design and as well Invention Works with everything that's going on there in the new facility. There are lots of opportunities and I look forward to exploring them. For sure. And talk just a bit about uh, what's going on with Invention Works. We'll start there and then jump into your background and then go into okay. tips for students to succeed and as well how the industry can also help students and help themselves as being a part of facilities and like invention works, of course, in Austin, but in facilities all over the world. That sounds great. So I am reporting to you today uh, from the in the middle of the kind of the newest building at the, uh, the Cockerell School of Engineering. And we have a big facility here that has a lot of uh, prototyping capabilities, 3D printing, woodworking machine shop, electronics, as well as some open workspace for students. Outside of my office here, there are a bunch of tables. And right now, several of those tables have sort of a uh, different takes on uh, little 3D printers that are part of a uh, engineering design class. And so, you know, in Texas Invention Works includes those facilities, as well as all of the training for all of those machines. I have a 40-member student staff. Uh, that gets trained up on the machines as well as trained up on basic design principles and things like that to be mentors for everybody. And I also work with uh, professors in all all engineering departments and then uh, actually in several colleges uh, around campus to develop courses that have some kind of hands-on, some kind of product development element to them. That's amazing. And it's so good to see investment from the university level, obviously the state level, going into student entrepreneurship, especially in around the hardware space. When I was a young budding entrepreneur starting macro design while I was in high school and then incorporating it in university, there was almost nothing in terms of university programming for entrepreneurship, let alone hardware labs and all this set up to really foster student innovation, let alone in the hardware space. It's great. And I've seen what's happened over the last 20 years. I was a PhD student actually here at the University of Texas from 2001 to 2005. And during that time, I got involved in uh, business plan competitions and technology commercialization. And there were business plan competitions 
And there was a brand new thing called Idea to Product that was really for uh, technology uh, folks, engineers, and scientists to start looking at how they might commercialize their research. But in terms of actually building hardware prototypes and stuff like that, it really just was not a, a lot of stuff here. And we had to do a lot of work as students to piece together people and, and resources and stuff from all over campus and lots of offices and staff members to make progress in what we're doing. And now it's really wonderful to come back and I've uh, been at the university now for a little over five years to come back and build on some of that momentum and fill some of those gaps that would have been, you know, would have allowed us to get so much further, so much faster uh, as students and then be able to do that larger scale uh, than, than anything that we saw when I'm, when I was a graduate student. Well, it's great. And, you know, I can tell you on the professional design firm side of things, we had a ton of clients coming out of student incubation programs. It's where a lot of these uh, student innovations start and they, they get their footing there and then they go on to raise their first angel round then their seed rounds then going to venture capital rounds and becoming, you know, major businesses. And a lot of that sparks in college and university all around the world, especially with the assistance from these types of programs. So when we're talking to the students in particular, what are some of the things around campus that students should be looking out for when they're thinking about their invention idea or getting a product to market? What resources are there around many schools around the world? What things should they look out for? What tips and tricks do you have for those students just in and around campus to start? I want to answer almost answer two questions there. The first question is, how does someone get started in this arena? And then the second one is if you're already kind of going and you have some ideas and you, you are looking for some other resources. So the first one, getting started, I would say it requires a little bit of courage. You may have to, like, that's one of the things that we see people, it requires a little courage for a lot of students to simply walk into this facility and ask if they can learn how to run one of our 3D printers. To those of us who are familiar with it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But for people outside, it, it, it takes a little courage. So to get going, I would say, you know, sweep together a little bit of courage, go talk to people you don't know, look for some of these resources, walk through the door and ask to learn how to run the machine or learn how to um, do some stuff and just tinker and just sort of move forward. If you already have ideas, then, um, you know, one of the things I like to tell people here at the University of Texas is you should do something while you're at school. And what I mean is do something entrepreneurial while you're here. Why? Well, because within a couple hundred yards of where I'm sitting right now, there's probably a world expert in whatever it is that you need. And you can go talk to them and you can engage them and get them involved in what you're, what you're trying to do. And that's either, that's going to do two things. It's going to move you forward personally, or just the networking and learning from these people. It's also going to give you an opportunity to have that world-class expertise in, uh, in your project. So lean in, have some, have some courage on one side. And the other one is, I would just say, hey, assume there are resources out there and there's people who are at your university. There's probably programs you don't know about that could help you move uh, forward. And it just requires you to kind of get out and talk to a few people and ask a few questions. Something that really resonates with what you said there is just getting out there and talking to people and having that courage. For those of you out there who are a little bit nervous, let's say, to do that, know that the university setting is engineered and designed for you to reach out to people. The intent there is for you to bother folks. 
It may not be so as you get into your career. It may be much more difficult to reach out to those, as you mentioned, those world-class individuals that are there as experts in the facility that are either student staff members or faculty staff members or tech members or whatever it might be, but they're right there in your backyard. And students here are encouraged to make those connections, to, to have that communication. The key here too is it's not just with the facilities like InventionWorks, but it's also with other students. And that's something that Scott, you and I talked about uh, before jumping on the air here. Can you speak to that power of the student-to-student innovation? That is probably the the biggest source of learning and of um, progress for people who are trying to become creative professionals or entrepreneurs or product developers is connecting with other students who are interested in, in that area and who may be bringing other expertise and stuff so that now you're, you're starting to move towards having a team or at least having a network that can help you solve problems. We see a range, such a wide range of students. So a freshman engineering student could be someone who has never built anything, never taken anything apart, but yet they have this proficiency in math and science. They've, they've kind of got an interest in engineering and here they are. And this, that's, that's just where they're at. We have other students that show up here and they've been on robot teams or they've been building stuff or they have a workshop at home and they have these incredible uh, skills to move things forward. And so student A is certainly going to learn a great deal from student B in this case and probably is going to bring you know, some experience and stuff like that. Uh, and, and they're going to have a productive uh, conversation there. So it's amazing what students uh, bring to the table here. And it's, um, if you look at, you know, the, just in terms of gray matter, most of the gray matter on campus is in students' heads. You know, most of the, <laughs> you know, intelligence and stuff like that is in students' heads. There's a lot of folks like me who have been around for a while and have some experience and stuff like that. But, you know, anytime I step into a classroom, uh, the brain power is, is out in the audience. And so that, I think that's something to kind of keep in mind. So powerful when you talk about connecting those dots. I've judged a lot of student entrepreneurship competitions, uh, both in the university settings and beyond. And one of the things that I find so amazing is that when you get these groups of students together, even if that specific project that they're working on doesn't materialize into this big invention idea or this big entrepreneurial vision, a lot of the time what will happen is two or three or four of the individuals from within those groups or possibly in collaboration with one or two or three individuals from other groups end up getting together and starting something else. The key here is to have that conversation going, get that communication out. Like Scott said, just reach out and start asking for help. A lot of the time as well, if you don't know what type of student you're looking for, for instance, like in your example, maybe you've got a great app and you're looking for somebody to build the hardware portion. Again, reaching out to the faculty or to the entrepreneurial incubation programs there, a lot of the time those folks can start connecting the dots for you or can start putting you in contact with either the groups or the competitions or the events in which you may then meet those people who could be a critical match to your potential business going forward. That's that's very true. You're talking about the competitions and what happens after competitions and why they're important. I'm almost hesitant to, to let your listeners know what the secret is here. But I, I think I think you know I, I think I will just go ahead and do it. And the, the secret is that in the competitions that I've been involved in, it's usually not the teams that win that end up being the ones that move forward and make great things happen. But 
The ones that win, I don't know what it is, but sometimes they, they go forward, but it's usually the ones that are a little further down and they're a little hungry and they're, they kind of, they get a little bit of success, but they kind of see what they could, they could have done differently and they keep at it and they, they uh, have that persistence. Um, often it's the third place team that goes to start a company or it's the team that almost made it into and was fourth, but didn't get any prize money, but kept going anyway. It's the, there's in most of the competitions I've been involved with, uh, somebody who keeps going after the competition isn't necessarily the ones that win. That's a really good observation. Something that I've always said when I've done these keynotes for these events or whatnot is the fact that by being there, by participating in these things, you're already way ahead of the competition. Now, of course, you're trying to win within the event. There's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is there's a lot more meat on the bones within the event itself. It's almost more the journey than it is the outcome. And what you're saying here just fits to that exactly. It's really something where the more you immerse yourself into it, both you know with the school, with the incubators, with the competitions, with other classmates, the more you're going to get out, the more you're going to find those matches and the more you're going to be able to pursue those. And I think that's why earlier on what you were saying about just try something while you're at school, outside of the academic setting, try a little bit of an entrepreneurial venture or an idea or whatever else, even if it's just in the initial spitballing phase where you're working with some people ideating, that can be very valuable to your potential career, even if you decide to go the route of a designer, an engineer or whatnot. But on the flip side, if you do end up going entrepreneurial, there's no doubt that you're going to learn lessons along the way that aren't being taught academically. I think there's an actually an, a, an earlier and very easy step that you can take as a student. And that is simply show up to a meeting of an entrepreneurial student group. Super easy. Or there are seminar series. There are speaker series. There are these sorts of things. The people who show up to those things are other people who, like you, are interested in that, want to know more, and are probably going to benefit from building their network. And so then you're, you're off and moving. It doesn't, you don't have to have an idea. You don't have to have a problem that you want to solve. If this arena seems interesting to you, move towards it. And you can do that with, you know, to one hour speaker series at, at a lunch and, and you're, you're moving in the right direction. And you're hearing from some great people. Keep in mind when, when Scott's collaborating with these outside groups, something that you kind of touched on before was the fact that you've got all these industry leading experts. One of the things that Scott, you and I were talking about before this in terms of collaboration is doing an event like this, bringing in world-class designers out of Maco Design and pairing it with students who are interested. This stuff is free for students. And this is the caliber of, of things that happen at these sorts of meetups or these sorts of groups or whatnot. So you might as well take advantage of that sort of stuff while you're a student, because those things become much more expensive or difficult to access as you graduate and as you move on. Now, one thing that I want to really talk about here in terms of the university groups is looking at the career individuals as well, people who have graduated and are moving on, how can they get involved in with what's happening at the student level, at the student incubation level, student entrepreneurship level, and how can they also improve you know, themselves academically in addition to their career or to help propel, propel their career forward? Well, I think uh, on the, the University of Texas campus here, there are programs all over the place that have sort of a on-campus but off-campus kind of thing. They'll have you know meetings or seminar series or something like that. So um, as an example, the Austin Technology Incubator has a uh, very extensive group of uh, mentors that they that they 
draw from as they're working with companies and stuff like that. So showing up to a an event that the Austin Technology Incubator is, is part of would allow you as a person from outside the university to start networking with other people who are inside the university. Um, there are ways of reaching out to the development teams um, inside, you know, like the Cockle School of Engineering here, looking for opportunities. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, in the same way that we're sitting here talking about, hey, students, get out there and network. I think we're probably, you know, same thing is going to happen to those who are outside the university and simply kind of looking at the university and trying to find sort of ways of networking your way into the university, either through professors or through the development teams or through programs like the Austin Technology Incubator. You know, I'm, I'm looking for people who are out there and who are professionals in various areas. And then I have classes uh, that I'd like to include those people in. So I'm, I'm looking to network with people who are out there. And I, I'm, not the, I'm not the only one here sitting at a university in that same position. This is great advice. Basically, everything we've talked about in this episode really also can apply to postgraduate students as well, right? Sure. Get involved, especially if you graduated and you're nearby your university. Not only should you be donating back to it, but that's a side note, but you should really be looking to get involved. And in what can your, now you're an expert, now you've got experience in whatever your craft might be, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a product designer or somewhere in between, you've got a lot of experience now to share down to the next generation. And as you mentioned, Scott, earlier on in the call, that student group has subject matter expert in very specific things that they're working on. They are the gray matter of the future. And like you said, they are the genius that, that really is, is a big part of the university setting. So it is a two-way street in terms of value there. It is. Um, another thing I, I thought of is that there are student groups that have coalesced around all sorts of things. So auto racing, rockets, consumer products, there's all sorts of things. And so those are also things that you can look at uh, at your local university as potential opportunities to get involved. Scott, uh, let me just give a quick overview. You had a theory that you mentioned of blurring the lines between education and professional practice. And this is somewhat in line with what we're talking about right now. We all hear about perpetual learning and lifelong learning and all that sort of stuff. How do you see that applying to individuals, both at the university level, but especially when they are into their career? You know, What's the importance of that? And what are some things they should be thinking about to develop their craft? Part of that uh, kind of stems from a trend in engineering education. If you rewind the clock a couple of decades, there was a huge amount of talk about, well, we want project-centered education. We want more projects. We want more students working on projects. The project was the keyword. That, that's still around. You can still find a lot of discussion that, that kind of echoes all of those things. But coming back to the university, I was trying to think of, well, Projects are good, but what we're really, what are we, why are we doing the projects? Why was that so popular? It was popular because it's the experience of solving problems, of working in teams, of having to do the communication of all of the sort of the context around all of the math and science in your engineering classes. The context is what's valuable. Well, the context is actually the practice of engineering. And so if I want to go beyond this concept of just projects to something that's more holistic, then what I need to do is I need to create ways for students to operate more like engineers while they're still students. So I think that what we're trying to do is practice-centered engineering education. So it's a little bit like uh, traditionally there's this education, then there's this hard barrier. And then after that, you go and you act as whatever professional it is that you're going to do. 
But on the, on the professional side, you have this continuing education stuff where people are changing careers and all of those sorts of things. So education is bleeding out into your entire career. And so what, we're, what I'm working on is allowing practice to bleed backward into what has traditionally been more strictly education. And I think what, what's, what that's doing is it's, we have sort of a, an ecosystem of all my student staff and me and all that, that allows students, puts them in the driver's seat, allows them to make decisions about whatever it is that they're working on and allows them, uh, well, I say this jokingly, but it, it really is true. I, I say to students, you know, build stuff that doesn't work. And they kind of look at me funny, yes. right? When I say that, but it, that's, that's the key. That The key is building stuff that doesn't work because we, all of us who are product designers know that um, we make stuff that doesn't work. And then eventually, after we make a bunch of stuff that doesn't work, we make something that does work and works really well. Um, and then students, when they come in, they don't, they don't know all of that fun between I have an idea and I have something that works really well, all that making stuff that doesn't work. And so we try to kind of highlight that and make sure that we have sort of a structure around people that allows them to kind of learn from that and move forward and be mentored by other students and, and mentored by uh, professional staff, me and some of, some of my other staff members here. Being a lecturer in the Masters of Engineering program myself at Ryerson University, I can tell you that that's one of the biggest you know ticket items that uh, I think is helping educate the students of tomorrow is having that hybrid approach of really, you know, it comes down to real world versus academic and the combination thereof and the best of both worlds. So yeah. you know, it's very much tying into the engineering principles that uh, you mentioned there, and I, I love the fail forward model that is very powerful, uh, especially as a student, especially as you're learning your craft, and really, I think a lot of these. Things can be considered on through to a lifelong of learning. On that note, is there education, let's say, for folks who are further down the path at UT or things uh, around the world at uh, university centers? Are there starting? Is there more things or more courses or more workshops or even just these events that maybe can help people that are further down the line in their career uh, as opposed to just going through a full fledged master's of engineering program? Is there something kind of hybrid in there where they can? Uh, learn remotely or is this stuff coming into practice more? There are continuing education programs that exist. So there's one that's out of engineering here and it's not necessarily a big full degree program, but they have a bunch of small things that are, that are happening. Um, I think micro credentialing and badging and having sort of an electronic, your own electronic portfolio of all of those things that you're able to co uh, collect. Uh, I think that's coming, and I think that what you're going to see is more opportunities coming out of universities to take advantage of these small pieces. So it might be learning a piece of software, it might be you know learning how to build a particular type of device or testing something. But I think that's sort of coming. I also think you you and I would probably answer this uh, part of part of our answer to this question will be identical in that there are places around that are hacker spaces, maker spaces, these kinds of things that are open and community kind of oriented. It's uh, unfortunate that uh, Tech Shop didn't have their business model uh, right to still be with us in, some, in several cities, but there are places like that that are around. And so that's a place where you can show up and learn from other people in the way that students are learning from, from each other in my facility here. And you can go and you, maybe you haven't done woodworking, you can find somebody that can help you get going with that. Or maybe you haven't programmed Arduino and you're, you haven't done much coding. You're going to find people there that can make our Arduinos do all sorts of things and kind of help you move forward there. So I think those, those kinds of facilities and those kinds of environments are great opportunities 
for people in our kind of line of work um, to continue to put themselves back in that kind of mode of a student where you're learning learning very quickly and you have that sort of, I don't know what to do here. And, you know, a little bit of that, that nervousness and stuff like that, where you have to respond, you have to kind of beat back a little bit of that inventive confidence. So well, Scott, I appreciate mentioning those events because something I would say to anybody who's in that hardware space out there, whether you're developing a new product, whether you're a student, whether you're a mature product developer, whatever the case is, check out Maco Design's blog. We've got all kinds of information on upcoming events. We co-run events with a whole bunch of other partners, like the Crowdfunded Summit and like Make 48 TV show and whatnot. So there's a ton of, especially digital education right now that's in and surrounding the industry that Maco Design is quite heavily involved with. But even if it's not something that we're directly partnered with or that I'm not keynoting at, we've got a ton of information on there. And of course, by listening to this podcast, we're always trickling in tidbits of information around upcoming events and whatnot as well. So so thanks for bringing that up, Scott, and uh, to the listeners out there. And uh, sure, I speak for everyone. I say thanks for your tips and tricks, especially to uh, students or those of us who still have that that student vein still in us that we still want to be learning for life. Or let's say, to be honest, you know, we kind of miss being in school. Uh, it was a great time in our life. So I'd say to the students out there, keep that in mind that years later, you will really look back on those times and you will never regret doing what Scott said and doing that one reach out that you thought you should do or, or checking out that facility that you thought might be interesting or looking into that course that you thought might lead to something. So Scott, thanks a lot for being on the show today. Much appreciated. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.